We're alive. We're broadcasting from Toronto, home of the Blue Jays, Raptors, Maple Leafs, and Canadian psychic Robert Lindsay Milne. That's me. Welcome to my side of the crystal ball. We've got a mind-bending, mind-shaping, mind-clearing, mind-awareness night tonight. We're going to be talking about subjects that are more fascinating to me than almost any other. And it's going to be about how we live our life, the way we think, the way we behave, and how to do something about it. WWRS, we're going to be talking about uh, PTSD, what it is, and what it's like from the inside, because I know it from the inside. We're going to be talking about that. Uh, second segment, we're going to be talking uh, in the expert's chair, uh, Ali Roselle um, from White Rock, B.C., Ali invented, designed the program called Core Belief Engineering. Starting off with being and doing traditional therapy, um, over her lifetime, she's developed this process of getting in touch with one's inner self quick, being able to identify it and change it as well. Um, it's, it's, it's brilliant with, with the work that she does. And she's going to be on the expert's chair. And just after that, and you don't even get a chance to catch your breath, um, Al Hari is going to be on with the, the main event. And Al Hari is an expert in twin souls. Twin, yeah, we have a twin soul. And sometimes we could have heard as a doppelganger, <laughs> that's a great word, right? A doppelganger, ganger, um, a twin soul. And she's going to be talking about how we all, all of us, everyone on the planet shares a soul, a, a, a twin soul, and how that affects. I have to tell you, that concept pushed me to the limit of my flexibility. And Alhari um, is one of the most impressive people I've, I've ever met in my life. And her way of speaking and communicating held my attention even though I was at the extreme and I went away with amazing ideas and um, new ways of thinking. All that happening on my side of the crystal ball. So before we get the old ball rolling as it were, light the lights in the crystal ball, got a couple of things I'd uh, like to ask you to do. If you're watching us on YouTube, please like and then comment. And if you could say something like a good show or, or, or you know, something nice or even, even longer, your comments are so important to us. Um, it gets us recognized and then we can keep on doing more shows. And subscribe to our channel. Um, and subscriptions are complimentary. You can find us on Apple and Spotify and pretty much anywhere else you uh, find your, your, your podcasts. If you'd like to get in touch with me, you know, I'm still doing readings and, and consultations. You can find me on www.robertlindsaymilne.com. You can also find me on face, Facebook, Instagram, uh, and uh, TikTok. And now, without further ado, let's begin one of the most exciting episodes of my side of the crystal ball.
last while, we've been getting a lot of um, emails and responses from our, our listeners of my side of the crystal ball. And I've been asked a lot of questions about um, behavioral um, work and growth, etc. And um, one of the biggest questions that I've been asked about is what is PTSD? Because that's the, the rage these days, having PTSD. And what is it? What causes it? And how do we live with it? So that's what I'm going to be discussing tonight on uh, what would Robert say, but, but I just would like to do another disclaimer. I'm going to be talking about the concept of, of how PTSD works. So I'm not going to be dealing with every single detail, um, every single little um, organ inside our brain. Uh, um, I'm going to be talking about things in a general way so that people just understand what's happening. Now, um, I have no formal training in this type of work. So um, before, you know, research what I've, what I've said to make sure that it works for you. So what is PTSD? And, you know, PTSD that we hear, post-traumatic stress disorder. Post-traumatic stress disorder. That means that we get stressed out over something that already happened that gets triggered in our mind. That, that, that's kind of like what it, what it is. Um, but looking back and doing some research, um, PTSD is the latest um, form of, uh, uh, or way, latest way to describe it, PTSD. Once upon a time, it was also called uh, um, battle fatigue, shell shock, um, and unfortunately, those poor souls that had battle fatigue or sh shell shock sometimes would have been called coward as well um, because of that PTSD. So what is it that makes us do all these things? And what is it that we can blame on and say, oh, well, I can't do this because I have PTSD or my PTSD is kicking in? What does that mean? And, and how does it, 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 it happen? So I am a survivor of both PTSD and DTD, Developmental Trauma Disorder. Um, once upon a time, it, it, it has a lot of other names and it has a lot of other connotations. And at this time still, it's often classified as a mental illness. I see it more as a brain injury than actually a mental illness. So how do you get it? How do you get rid of it? How do you function with it? How do you identify that you have PTSD? Well, let's start off with, we, we, we have to learn a little bit about the way our brains function, um, the way our brains are. So our brain can be broken into three different sections. Uh, the the uh, um, lower brain, brainstem, and, and sometimes it's called the reptilian brain. And then we have the middle brain, 
And that can often be called the mammal brain. And then we have our upper brain, and it's all our big front lobes, right? Because we get the biggest front, frontal lobes and most of the animals on the planet. Um, and, and that's up here. And that could be called the analytical mind. It does all the analytical. So now the very first part of our brain to develop was right here, the brainstem. And that is the most powerful part of our brain. And it has the control over what goes on in our body. And the, 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 the lower brain, it has no thought. It has no um, awareness of any, anything else other than staying alive. It has no language. So, so um, it, it, it doesn't communicate. And if you look at reptiles and you see how they might be in the group, but really they don't have any pals. They don't interact. They're also cold-blooded. And they're just focused on, they're just this one great big survival eating machine. That's, is, and, and there ain't anything else. And, and, and by the way, crocodiles and alligators have no um, maternal instincts. So if an alligator's baby just happened to be hatched when the alligator is there, well, that's, that's breakfast and tough luck. Uh, th there is no intelligence to be able to identify the, the difference. And, that, and that's our middle brain. And that's focused on, sorry, our lower brain. And that just is focused on taking care of us, keeping us alive. The next part of our brain, our mammal brain, it, and it gets called our ma mammal because we share in common um, this mammal brain and we share emotional needs and behaviors with just about every other mammal on the planet. So our mothers, we, we nurture our young. Um, we work in packs, we, 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 we work together. Um, we, we, we are involved. Um, we are capable of some learning in the, the, the mammal area but it's, it's about our, our experiencing our values and our morals and our, our, our ways of behaving. Um, that, that's the, um, the, um, <laughs> sorry, that's, that's the uh, mammal brain. And, and, and incidentally, the mammal brain is the second uh, most powerful part of our brain it, because it was developed in second. And then what makes us humans different than just just about maybe not a hundred percent but almost all of them where um, very few other um, uh, beings can share this is um, our analytical brain what what goes on up through here and our analytical brain is the one that gives us the ability to analyze things. It gives us the ability to see patterns. It gives us the ability to be logical. And it does something else. It gives us the ability to see the future. Not see the future the way a psychic sees the future, but to see the future because we know that if today is Wednesday, then tomorrow is Thursday.
We know that if we get on this highway and we drive at a certain speed at a certain time, um, we'll get to a certain place. We, we, we know that. We, we know that there was a yesterday. We, we, we know that. So we can see the future. And that is so valuable. We can also see the past and then we can see behaviors. And when we can see behaviors, we can make them different. And we do. There are very few other animals on the planet that do it that way and the way that we do it. It would be wonderful to be in this special part of our brain all the time. We would be like mental giants forever, 24 hours a day. Now, that's basically, you know, the Coles Nodes version of, of uh, the brains. You know, so the, the, the brain stem, the middle brain, and the upper brain. Um, and that's pretty much it. But, and there's a whole lot of other detail and analytical stuff, but we don't need to know that. We, we, we just need to know those, those, those three, three things and basically what, what each part does. Now, PTSD means that we get traumatized or DTT means we've been traumatized. So, um, well, what the hell is being traumatized? What, what does that mean? Does that mean, you know, you know, somebody sneaking up behind you on Halloween going boo? Does that traumatize you? Well, it could. Doesn't have to, but it could. It just depends. And and by the way, everyone, okay, almost everyone on. I always, I, I don't like to uh, make absolute statements and extreme statements, right? So I, I often correct myself on that one. So almost everyone um, has a breaking point. Uh, almost, almost. You know, very few people would not have a whether it be a mental or a physical. It, most people have that. So um, we can be. We can be frightened, but not stretched to our limit to um, absorb that, 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 that trauma or that stress, we, that we get overwhelmed and, and, and freeze. So once upon a time, it was thought there were two reactions to stress or when, you know, stuff was happening. And the two reactions are you stand and fight, right? Stay, stick around, you, you know, you, you fight it out, or you take to flight, you, you run away. And it was believed that is the two responses. You run away or you stay and fight. Um, but as science has evolved, as medicine has evolved, as PTSD has evolved, DTD has, has, has been recognized more and more and more, Technology has evolved, and ways of measuring the brain and brain um, reactions um, has given us incredible um, new awareness. And we've discovered, science has discovered, that there are more than two reactions to stress. There's a third. And the third one is, if you're in a situation that, and the odds are so overwhelming that if you stand and fight, you get killed. And if you, the odds are so overwhelming, if you stand there and do nothing, you get killed. The third response is freeze. And that's when your brain freezes and your, um, nervous system, your brain chemistry gets permanently altered.
and it affects your um, sympathetic nervous system and your parasympathetic nervous system. It also affects a whole bunch of other things, and you can spend, I can spend the next, well, I couldn't because I don't know all that, but, but somebody that really knows the brain and stuff, you know, could spend like the next five hours talking about the intricacies of, of the way the brain works and putting all that all together. What, what I just want to show you is, is, is like the, the bare roots of it so you can just understand what happens when you're in that panic mode. You, you don't need to know what the thalamus is to understand how to get out of a PTSD episode, which is what, what, why the, the ultimate goal is. So we, we just need to know what, what's, what's affecting us in that moment. So it affects how our um, parasympathetic and sympathetic nervous systems react. So when our sympathetic nervous system is on, that's when we're in danger. That's when we've got the radar on. That's when we're, you know, we're 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 always checking things out. We're we're um, we're, we're alerted. You know, like when you see um, our, our our dogs or our cats or or whatever um, become alerted by something around around them. You can just, you know, I have I have golden retrievers, so um, they're they're especially interested in 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 hearing animals that would like to get saved or like to get you know, retrieve. And, and, and I, I, I can see them, you know, start, start, start to get interested and they, they, they get focused. So, so, um, when our radar is on all the time, um, we're ready for anything to happen all the time. The sympathetic nervous system, sorry, the parasympathetic nervous system is on when we're relaxed, we're calm, uh, we're having fun, maybe we're watching TV, maybe we're playing a sporting event, maybe we're having dinner with our family and our friends, maybe we're, um, it, 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 it's when we're, we're, we're calm and relaxed and, 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 and feeling safe. That's when it takes over. When you get traumatized, the sympathetic nervous system never turns off, ever. It's just there. It's because it's been altered because of that trauma, the way it functions. And it is on guard and it's always ready for something to go wrong, always. And as soon as one little thing can go wrong, what happens is our uh, so what happens is our unconscious mind recognizes the threat. It identifies the threat as really serious. And then our brain freezes. And sometimes we, then we have reactions. So that's what happens when we get triggered with PTSD. How it affects us um, when we get triggered depends upon each individual and what triggers us. So in the early days, developmental trauma disorder, when, when somebody gets traumatized at, at um, the developmental stage, it, it affects a part of the brain specifically. When someone who has you know, reached their maturity and had um, PTSD, it doesn't 
um, change how the brain develops. It does affect how the brain works, but it doesn't have, it doesn't function, it doesn't affect how, um, the, the, what, how the, the brain functions. It, it, it doesn't determine that. Whereas on with, with, with DTD, um, when, when you get your brain altered at, during the developmental stages, it stays that way. All right, so, and it stays part of how you're formed. And similar behavior. And, and there are things like you can be very depressed. Um, oh, drug problems, alcohol problems, um, anger problems, um, uh, reclusive. That's a big thing for people that have PTSD, uh, becoming reclusive. You, you know, in um, my early days, there were several times when, when I was living in a flop house or something and or spending one night in a or two nights in a you know a flea bag hotel um and 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 on a couple of different occasions the police came in kicked the doors down uh in the middle of the night um shocked the living hell out of me and now today at 72 years old if i hear loud knocking at my door i get I, I react, I get angry, I get really defensive, I get frightened. Um, and sometimes I don't even realize that I am, but I am. I didn't realize, I, I knew that I reacted, but when I was in that panic mode, my, um, uh, my reptilian brain took over because my mind identified that I was in a moment of danger, my life was in danger. And the unconscious mind and, and the, the um, lower brain takes over and controls our body. So what we do, we can get so frightened, well first our analytical brain freezes. It's been overrided, just boom, and you're not thinking. Now you don't know that you're not thinking because there's all kinds of words going through your mind, but you're not making sense. Um, there's usually a terrible feeling inside of panic there or, or many variations of that and your and, and your your um, reptilian brain is thinking about keeping you alive and what the reptilian brain does is it protects the the the, the vital organs and it protects the vital organs so committedly it will sacrifice the extremities um, to, to save the uh, vital organs. So when we get caught off guard and we get frightened, we, get, we, we, we lose dexterity. We get scared stiff. And we do. So you see somebody get really stiff and, 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 and you literally can't move. You freeze. Um, that happens with, with, with PTSD. So you lose your, your, your dexterity. And even if you're not actually frozen... Your ability to manipulate and use your, your, your body is severely restricted. Um, then what happens, not 100%, but then what happens is when someone is speaking to you, you can hear the words, and you know that what the words are saying, what the words mean, and you know them. But you just have this problem knowing what they mean, understanding them. 
and the reason for that is the um, reptilian brain is in control and it has no language, nothing to interpret. That, that's why you can't get the words. So you're scared silent. When you're really frightened, um, sometimes we um, uh, lose um, we, we, we um, uh, uh, lose our, our, our control and, and um, defecate in our pants or uh, urinate uh, um, involuntarily. And you've heard the expression, you know, scared shitless. Well, yeah, you are. Um, or, you know, scared to piss out of me. Yeah, it, it did. It really did. And you had no control over it. It was your body. It was your unconscious. It was a, your, your um, lower brain. The reptilian brain um, releasing all those muscles to protect the the um, uh, vital organs, and that's the way it happens all the time. And when you're in that space, you can't think right. Your your vision is like tunnel vision. You have trouble hearing what's going on and understanding and you're panicked and you're out of control that can be changed and and i just want to stop here now because if anybody that has ptsd that's watching this i've got something for you right now every single ptsd episode that you have ever had from the first one and every one up until the last one and even if you're right in the middle of it right now every single one has a common denominator a common denominator so one one thing that each one has in common that happens absolutely every single time that common denominator and what it is is that common denominator your PTSD episode always stops always stops it always will stop because it has to you can't keep living for very long under that kind of pressure you'd blow up you'd explode um i know you feel like it but you don't so so you you would just blow apart like a balloon so what you've proven right now is that every time you go through it you always complete it. It always stops. So one of the things that you're, I like to do with when I do work with people with PTSD is identify that, get them to say that over and over and over again. And what happens when our brain freezes? And, you know, what happens here has um, um, we get in the now. You know, have you ever heard the expression be in the now or, 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 or live the now or um, Baba Ram Das came out, wrote a book, Be Here Now. And, and the theory was um, regrets from the past, dreams of the future. The magic words of living are here and now. Um, so the idea is to be in the now. Well, the now, if you're 
having a beautiful lunch with somebody, you're laughing and, you know, you're in a romantic moment or you're watching a fabulous movie. You know, that's a happy now. You don't want that to end. And one of the things is, that goes on is that when you are in that now, you can't see the future and you can't see the past. You only see right now. But if you're bummed out, if you're in panic mode, being in the now, because that is the now, being in the now is horrible. And one of the things that you want to do is get out of the now. When you can identify what it's like when you're in the now and you're messed up. And one of the ways to be able to do that is that when you're in a calm state of mind, relaxed, you can think. Um, think about what it feels like when you're panicked. It has a, a distinct feeling. And thoughts go around and around and around, out of control. Uh, heart beats fast. You might get a knot in your stomach. Or a bunch of things. Mad, angry, you want to drink, get stoned. A, a lot of things, all like that. Um, so when you identify what that feels like, and it takes a while, but when you identify that, and especially when you're talking to yourself or learning, when you're not in that panic mode, when, when you are in that panic mode though if you say to yourself this will end this will end and you know it to be true because they've always ended so when you tell yourself something that you know to be true you'll believe it so when you know it's always going to end and then you say this will end you say oh okay so when you know something is going to end, then you can determine when it will end. So you're in the midst of this um, PTSD episode and you say, okay, I know that tomorrow it's going to end. I'll be out of this by tomorrow. And that's true. I'll get it. All right. So, that, so I'm here right now, but I know, I know for sure I can be out of it tomorrow. If you're out of it tomorrow, maybe um, you could be over it by 8 o'clock tomorrow morning rather than 8 o'clock tomorrow night. You could do that. It's possible, right? It's just, and, and you, you know, okay, so I know that I can be out of this by 8 o'clock tomorrow morning. Oh, okay, because you can control it. Or you can wait until it's over and... Um, at 8 o'clock tonight. You, you, you can do that. But when you know that you can do something over t by tomorrow, yeah, I can do that. So then you pull it back and say, okay, I can get through this by 3 o'clock in the morning. I, 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 know that I, can, I, I know that I could. And, and who knows, maybe, and you're, you're talking to yourself, maybe I can even be asleep at that time. I'll just put it together. And you talk yourself back. If you get really good at it and you really believe it, you say, okay, I can get out of this right now. Well, you can't. I'm working on it. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm working for that one. You know, it's a challenge. So when you recognize you've been in this, the PTSD episode, if you continue to tell yourself it will end. And one of the things, when you recognize that you're inside uh, you're having a, a PTSD episode. One of the most important things that's missing for you is your is 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 feeling safe, 
And one of the most important things you need to do is get to safety. Get out of the way. Just run away. Get yourself in safety mode where you can relax, calm down, and 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 get your um, upper um, your 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 frontal lobes uh, functioning again. That's kind of like what goes on with PTSD. That's what goes on as it's building. That's what goes on in the middle, and that's what goes on in the end. With a lot of work, practice, guidance, you can learn to be more controlling, have more power over um, the way you melt down. And the biggest thing, the biggest thing is learning to understand, to identify what it feels like when you're going through it. But in order to be able to identify it when you're going through it, you have to understand it logically or know about it when your mind is in the um, analytical mode so that you can create a neural pattern you can learn because you can't learn when you're in panic mode. And then you can get yourself out of the way and you can teach yourself how to do it. It's one of the things that I do in my life coaching and for sure is one of the ways I handle it in, in my own personal life. So that's my perception um, and my ideas about PTSD, um, DTD, and, and how to function with it, or, or how to function, or how not to function. And if you have any questions, or you'd like to talk with me, or whatever, you can, you can um, email me, phone me, call me. Um, I'm receptive um, to questions about well, anything, but on this topic as well. So that, that's about it for WWRS for this episode. Thank you. Um, Ali, welcome to my side of the crystal ball. I have been thinking a lot about core belief engineering, wondering about what it is, and also wondering how does somebody create a concept of therapy and just do it. So what is core belief engineering and how did you develop it? Hi, Robert. Thank you for... Oh, good to see you. Uh, yeah, I just get to the point. I, just get to the point, Robert, right? Yeah, that's all right. It's good, good to get to the point. I Core belief engineering is the name that I gave to a, a, a process that I developed back in the early 80s uh, for for transformational change. Uh, I, I myself had been in unsuccessful therapy for many, not on and off for many years and had, had mainstream therapy, alternative therapy, basically nothing would touch what I needed help with. And so I started to experiment and in the process of taking courses and experimenting and exposing myself to all kinds of helpful people, I, I accidentally cured myself one day and, and realized that I, I had I like well, that time I didn't think I was going to become a therapist or anything because I didn't have grief for it. But anyway, I got. So can to... I just sort of uh, so? Sure. Um, I just want to understand. So you one day, I'm just wondering if this is literal or figurative. One day I accidentally cured myself. I think that's what you said. Um, that's what I said. Did, oh, okay. So did you really do it like in one day and you were cured? And well, and if you did, could I hear about that? 
Right. It, you know, it, 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 of course it wasn't done. It was okay. okay. A lifetime was zero. The light was turned on okay. in one day. Okay. So that, that, it, it felt like one day, but it, when I look back, of course, I'd been working and for years trying to figure out how to solve this and how to end it. It was like a, a it was basically a serious eating disorder. And, and I was trying so hard and I was just so captured in it. And uh, so were, the, were you, is this all right to talk about? Um, oh, were you so eating I, too much or not enough? I was both. I was oh, okay. anorexic and bulimic and it was for okay. about 20 years and it looked wow. like I would be a lifer. It's really, an, I, I now see it as an addiction, but, and, it, and it, it's a serious addiction. It's like sex addiction or smoking or anything else, but I was caught in it. And one day, like I said, this, after many years of searching and soul searching and having no results since everything's staying the same, one day I, I found the, the, the magic, the magic golden ball that, that set, turned my life, completely changed my life from one path to another. Like, was it like a light going on? Was it like getting yeah. hit by a cow flap from 5,000 feet? What, yes. what was the, ex yeah, all of the above. All of the above. It was, okay. What was it? What was the secret? Well, it's, it seems so simple and overly simple now, but at the time it was a major, it took me many, 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 many days and hours to, well, that same day, so many hours to actually make a decision to love myself. Oh, to say I love me, and and I that would have been the last thing in my life I ever would have thought about saying or even thinking, and so it it, it just it just rotated everything uh, wow. significantly inside my mind, inside my soul, inside my heart, and my life never was the same again. And I, I my eating disorder evaporated, although I you know I I went through all the things people go through making these kind of changes. I had, my body had to adapt. I, I had to fight relapses, but I didn't have any relapses. I just almost did. And, but people could see the changes I'd made. And even though they didn't know anything, I'd kept it a big secret. Nobody knew. It was, it was like a rebirth. Yeah, it was. It really was. Uh, my, the way well, my being born again, you know, Christians would say it was like being born again. Well, I saw God. I the joke. God. The presence was there mm -hmm. with wow. me. And I knew that I was a divine being, that I was a child of God. It was like, it was such an incredibly full, all levels experience just to decide to love myself. I've tried to help other people learn to love themselves the same way. And it doesn't work the same way for them as it did for me. But it took me a long time of, of, of really sitting there just agonizing before I could actually make that leap. Okay. So, but I did understand after about six, eight months that what, how did I do this? Was it just simply, I just said, I love me and everything changed. You know, it sounds sort of trivial, ridiculous, but I realized that I had changed a very fundamental belief. Now, my my understanding of beliefs had originally, not originally, but partly came from Seth, from the uh, Jane Roberts material talking about beliefs, right? The nature of personal reality, just reading about it. And I realized I changed, that's what I did. That's why that worked for me is that this very fundamental, even a belief at a soul level rotated, it just went. And I was just transfixed. I was in Satari for three months after that, just in, I was seeing energy. I was having all these incredible yeah. psychic experiences. And, and my, put it, my, 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 my father, who I had been horribly estranged with because I was such a difficult child to deal with. Um, he said, Ellie, I like how you are. You know, like he just, he was That's very, 
that was him telling me, you know, it's okay now. And we, we, we had oh, a beautiful Good for you. And it was sort of interesting because I uh, didn't, at first I really didn't plan on becoming a therapist because I thought you have to have a PhD in psychology and all of this. And I very, very traditional family of PhDs. And <laughs> so, so, but it was like, everything kept pushing me, pushing me. Don't throw this away. This is something you can share. And so I started experimenting. I hung out a shingle uh, with my husband and I at the time were running a hypnosis clinic and I had been trained in Ericksonian hypnosis. So I, I used that venue for I think my that's volunteer. really important for people to know that you just didn't wake up one day and saw God and became a therapist. You, you know, right. you'd, you'd spent a lot of your life doing therapy, learning, studying and, and getting <laughs> and get it, of course, and and it was an aha moment, but but it wasn't a aha moment like um, you waved a magic wand and all of a sudden you had all this new power yes. ability, and, oh, yes. right? You, it, it, it was just okay. Yeah, it wasn't just somebody who had a quick fix and then hung out a shingle. Right, not at all. That, I that you need you need to make that. I wanted to make that really clear. I had training in NLP. I had training right. in Gestalt. Um, sure other things that were a person called Eugene Albright, who's not very well yeah. known. Uh, and, and plus I'd been jamming with, with a group of people in, in my uh, peers in, in, in various courses that we've been jamming trying to just see what kind of, right. um, I'll say mischief we could make, right. but you know, what we can make, so to speak. So when you say jamming, that's your getting together with, with like-minded and not like musicians yes. jamming. Okay. Talking to parts, talking yeah. to this. And, it was um, the, the, the thing that happened for me was that after that, when I was trying to see how could I reproduce this, how could I find a way to reach in and get people who are ready but not ready to make change. And I was thinking, to me, therapy should help make change, not just hold your hand. I mean, it's okay. Holding hand therapy is all right, but it can go on for years and years and yeah, years. Yeah, I know. And it's really a pain in the ass. And, it, and people just get codependent on their therapist and right. vice versa. So, you know, okay, so I just, you know, and I'd already been through some of that. So I just, you know, and I'd also, had, I'd had a few really incredibly, incredibly powerful mentors who magically appeared in my life at intervals, who taught me things that I will never forget. And uh, so I had an idea of what a good therapist would be, uh, but because of the two years of, first of all, learning, running a hypnosis practice, and then two years of just offering free stuff, you know, experimental stuff, people would sign a release and I would work with them to see if we could change a belief. And, and what was happening was I was having way more success than I ever would have thought. And it was so, you know, I thought, well, this is working, this is working, this is working. So I, uh, and I wasn't really a, a, a methodical scientist at the time, but I was keeping track of what kind of feedback I was getting. And the feedback was don't stop. And uh, and I ended up I ended up in Canada actually. Uh, oh, you're not a Canadian, but by birth? I, not by birth. No, I'm an American by birth. Well, we still love you though. You're still us. Well, you're still one of us. You know. <laughs> I feel it. I've been here more of my life than I have. So yeah. now I I passed that landmark of over half. Yeah, but yeah. I feel very much in love with both. I was thinking of of what you would be what American hyphen Canadian. American Canadian American, you know, as a as a Anglo American Canadian. There you or, go. Yeah, which, yeah. yeah. Okay, Yankee just, Canadian. Yeah. <laughs> I was just looking curious about that for, you know. <laughs> no, it's been it's been an interesting I have a lot of family south of the border and 
I was the first one of my entire extended family to move into Canada. So I thought, gee whiz, I, I'm, here I am, a pioneer. But, uh, but no, I, I found that Canada was actually much more um, welcoming of this kind of thing. They, they had a strong alternative uh, therapy and spiritual community in Vancouver, and I was just embraced. And people wanted what I had, and the, the, the experiments began, continued. Well, in well the West Coast, and specifically Vancouver, is, you know, you could say, is the capital of New Agers and in New a way, Agism, in you a know, way it's for true. Canada, it is, anyway. Yeah, I would say. And, and so I was embraced and given a lot of encouragement by various different people, again, ran into different mentors who, who just helped me define my ideas yeah. and get something. And by the end of about a year and a half, after, well, year after I, the two years period of experimenting, I, I actually had developed a model. I was teaching, I was actually starting to teach in 1984 and just offering pilot courses and saying, well, let's see what, see what we can do. I'd like to teach it, but you know, I don't know, I'm not qualified. I don't know if I can and all of this, all the self-doubt. But I did anyway, because something inside of me, there was a voice inside of me that said, uh, don't stop, keep going, you're doing the right thing. And so I kept going and it was, it, I felt very spiritually guided. Uh, I didn't feel, I never advertised what I do as a spiritual practice because I felt it was psychology. It was a type of psychology that and any, any psychology that doesn't embrace a person's spirituality is incomplete anyway. Yes. So, uh, so that's my feeling. And I'm quoting Rollo May on that, actually, but I, I, I totally agree with that. And so, so I developed this method where people can actually work inside themselves in their own subjective reality. And I, would, I, as the facilitator, guiding them to talk within themselves and dialogue within themselves, asking questions, getting answers, until we work our way through that morass of subjective reality <laughs> and, find, and find the places where there's energy and, and strength to make change. It isn't conscious. They're conscious while it happens, but they're, okay. they're, and they're observing and reporting to me. I, I did not want it to be hypnosis. I wanted it to be full participation of the conscious mind. And in the process of doing this, it seems like I developed a whole another model of the conscious and the subconscious that so far, not very many what people What does that agree look with. like? What's that like? Exactly. <laughs> what does that look like? Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. And so I, I ended up with quite a model with, with a lot of information I've written. Is it colorful? I'll get my crayons out next time I'll pull it out. <laughs> but I did create a student manual that was a few hundred pages and a teacher's manual that was a few hundred pages. And I did actually go through all the routine of creating a, a little college. And I ended up getting even accredited. I got accredited with the, B, the British Columbia uh, post-secondary people, uh, branch of the government. And I certified people. There's still a few around who are practicing. I haven't been teaching since ooh, 2012, but, I, but I'm still running a private practice. I work with people and it Any reason people... that you stopped teaching is what you just need time off and what, or, or what? A big change of life, yeah. uh, time off, uh, just wondering if, because it's, it really, uh, I don't know how to, it's hard to explain, but the, the, well, the if anyone's effort, at a certain age in life, it's understandable. Well, I was 65, I think, but, well, but, but it wasn't that, because of a... age. 
It was a time in life you asset, reassess stuff that's, and, that's right. and change energies. Any... Energies change, yeah. Yeah, and, and Michael died, my husband, yes. and uh, and so that was another big turning point. But and that also, and that's a whole new story that we'll talk about on another day. We'd love to. Now, yeah, the, but we'll the get to was, that. Yeah, the teaching part, I have a couple of colleagues in Ontario who I've trained and who are absolutely brilliant at doing the core belief engineering work who I was hoping would be able to take, catch the baton and run with it and go, uh, they could inherit the, the whole model. But so far, those that person that's actually left who's still practicing is, is has become a mother and many things okay. have you know, tied up her time. And so we're still, we're still planning on doing a fresh startup at some point. And, okay. and so I've had to tell people we're we're on leave for now for teaching, but 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 the but we're I am working regularly. Do you ever do you ever do um, core belief engineering sessions via Zoom or or yes. a reasonable? Oh, you do. All right. So yeah, so how would someone get in touch with you? How do they? How do we find you? Well, there's. Well, I know how to find you, but but. That's no. <laughs> Right, but how do we find it? I'm on the internet under corebelief.ca. Corebelief.ca, yes. Uh, yeah, that's my website. And on that website, there's a publication tab which has public has my book. Okay. And there's a book that can be purchased for 20 bucks. Okay. And it's a study book. It really, it's really, uh, I had a ghostwriter help me, so I, I know it's well done. Yeah. <laughs> and, yeah. Uh, the, that I've had terrific feedback about it because people, it isn't a self-help book, but people feel they've been self-helped when they read it because they can relate to the stories. And uh, also, um, I would, I, you know, I publish my numbers and I, I'm not, I'm not hiding. I have my, basically I'm Ellie at corebelief.ca if somebody wants to write me from the website or just straight out. And as far as getting clients, I, I don't take clients unless I've interviewed them first. Well, of course. I really, I, this is serious work. I work with well, them. absolutely. There's, there's always, and I, that would be assumed. I work with several hours with a patient or client at a time. Like yep. if they come in with a big change re request, it might take two or three, five times, but not. To assess that you were going to do the work not or, over, oh, oh, or, or to do the work. Yeah, to see if they're, first of all, the, the right, interview is right, to decide right. if this is even appropriate for them. Right. It's, so that it's, would also, so you uh, you charge right. an X amount of money for those those types of things, right? No. I do that interview for free. Really? I do. I might, I probably should charge it because people get a lot of help out of that. But well, I don't, maybe. I, because I don't. <laughs> Could we have a talk yeah, about this really? off the air? Can we have a discussion yeah, really? about this? <laughs> okay. <laughs> all right. Free assessment, free so, assessment, but then after that, the clock goes okay. on. But yeah. All right. So, okay. And so that's, that's fabulous. A session could be several hours. A, a session could be several hours, just so you know. That's not, I'm, I'm not under, one hour. I'm, I'm, I'm understanding that. Um, okay. So, but but I'm, I think we're going to talk about, the, you know, getting... Um, receiving and giving yes and the balancing of it we could we'll have that conversation probably in about three minutes from now so i'd like to <laughs> i'd like to say thank you very much for, for being on um and uh looking forward to having you back and hmm something tells me we might be talking about evergreens i don't know where that would come from just out of the blue strange, strange so, all right yes <laughs> thank you ali thank you thank you for having me here
can you explain what being a twin flame is or what a twin flame journey is? Are they different being the twin flame and on a twin flame journey? Uh, well, yes. Um, obviously, you go on the twin flame journey with your twin flame, but everyone has and is a twin flame. And um, a twin flame is the other person that shares your soul. And we all have only one twin flame and everyone has and is a twin flame, like I said. Um, and everyone has crossed paths with their twin flames in this lifetime and every previous lifetime. Um, you know, they could be in relationships with their twin flames. They could live next door to their twin flames. They could work with their twin flames. Um, and they just don't know that they're twin flames and that's fine. Um, really, it doesn't even matter what label you give it, if you even give it that label. Um, the only reason why we even give it a label of twin flames is because at some point, when the soul is ready, and this is only determined by the soul, we can't consciously make this happen. We don't even consciously know when it happens. There's no feeling you get. There's no aha moment. There's no epiphany or anything like that. Um, at some moment, the soul just decides that it's ready, and it recognizes itself within the physical body of the other twin flame. And at that moment is what begins the twin flame journey. So yes, people can be twin flames and with their twin flames, but they have not yet embarked on the twin flame journey. You said that everyone has a twin flame. Is that, is, you, so what, what does that mean? Every, so I have a twin flame. Would I know that twin flame? No, not necessarily. Like okay. I said, people are with their twin flames and live next door to their twin flames, grew up next to their twin flames, and they don't even know their twin flames. So are, are twin flames friends? Or pals, you, you know what I mean by friends. Like, like, are they are they um, good together? Do they like each other? Um... Um, they could. Okay. They can. Um, they cannot as well. They cannot get along as well. Personality speaking, twin flames don't share the, anything physical, so they don't share obviously the same body. They don't share the same personality. Okay. They don't share the same character traits. They share the same soul. It's a it's it's the only thing they share but it's the strongest thing they share. And it's, it's the thing that is um, eternal that they share. How did, so your background, well, one of part of your background is, 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 is being a lawyer. How did you go from being a lawyer and, and, and being analytical like that to um, being a specialist in, in twin flame relationships? How did that happen? I know that's a great question. <laughs> What, what happened, how that happened was my soul decided it was ready to recognize itself within the physical body of my twin flame. And I embarked on this amazing, beautiful journey. And in so doing, when you, when you first realize you're on the journey, it's very painful. And it's, you, it's, you don't recognize yourself. You're, I personally was for six months, I couldn't function as a human being. I was in a puddle on the floor crying every day. I didn't want to be in this life anymore. I couldn't understand what I was doing because um, the twin flame journey for one of the twin flames, which we call the push twin flame, um, and we can get into the energies later, but it's, it's the energies um, between the two twin flames. They're polarized and they're both fear-based and it's fear-based energy and it's both addictive energy. And the push twin flame energy, um, which controls the mind, all fear-based energy controls the mind. Um, it's, it's addicted to the physical form of the other twin flame. And the other twin flame 
pulls away from the push twin flame. So when they pull away physically, the push twin flame is left there like what happens? And they all they can do is focus on their other twin flame. So I became obsessive and most everyone does. You just can't think about anything else. And you're just, me, just for, so, so by the way, I, just, I want to jump in here. So um, is it always the one who is the push flame, always the push flame or the the one that's being pushed? Can that one that being pushed change the role and say, OK, I'm going to be different about this? Okay, so you're either the pusher or the pushy. That's the way it is. Okay. Sure, yeah. right. We can right. push and pull, but that's the way to say it. Yes, exactly. Okay. You're always, yeah, if you're the pusher, always the push with your twin flame. And the pull is always the pull with, with, okay. with the twin flame or the pushy. So, <laughs> yeah. do you, so our, our, our twin flames are friends? Like when I say friends, are, are, do we get along? Do, they, do, we, um, do we like each other? Um, or, or is it is it a hot burning flame um, that 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 hurts? Well, once you're once you're on the journey, mm -hmm. like so, before you're even on the journey, before your soul has soul recognition, like I said, I mean, you could be married to your twin flame, you could you know work with your twin flame. Yes, you can you can get along, you cannot. It's just like any two people. Once you have your soul has soul recognition, and you start the journey, at first, so what happens there is that. The soul, which is energy, it needed to polarize itself because the soul is of the fifth dimension, 5D. We live physically in the third dimension, 3D. The energetic paradigm of 3D is one of duality and opposites. So everything has an opposite, up and down, hot and cold, and out, light and dark, good and bad, right? So our soul, and 5D doesn't, is not like that. So our soul energetically has to assimilate with the third dimension paradigm of duality. So it needs to make two opposites of itself. In energetic terms, those opposites are called polarity. One is in one twin flame, one is in the other twin flame. That is why every single person has a twin flame. It's how we're created. It's how we're able to be here in this third dimension. So when, when you have soul recognition and the soul recognizes itself within the physical body of the, of the two twin flames, those polarities within each twin flame build up. And they build up and at first they're like magnets. So the twin flames, yes, they can't get enough of each other. They're, I mean, they feel like they've never connected with anyone so strongly. They feel like no one else has ever gotten them like that. They feel like they found home, like all this other stuff, right? And it builds up, builds up. And then suddenly it reaches what I call the tipping point where those polarities start manifesting and they manifest as a push pull. So one twin flame becomes a push, the other twin flame becomes a pull. And at that point, it's because the energy is so strong, it, it's, it's nearly impossible for the twin flames to even be together physically at all because you have this push-pull dynamic going on. One is pushing while the other one is pulling away in tandem. So it's it, at that point, they don't seemingly, they don't seem to get along, right? Because they just can't even be together in the same, in the same vicinity. Although the push energy wants to be, and they just go kind of grabbing and, and pushing towards the pull twin flame. But the pull twin flame can't can't be. <laughs> If no. this isn't too personal, um, which which side were you on um, when you went through that 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 terrible experience? That that um, thinking that your life was over, and were, were you the on the push side or the opposite? I was the push. Um, nearly everyone who comes looking for help, every single one of the students we work with, uh, everyone who watches our YouTube channel, everything, they're pushed twin flames. The pull twin flame rarely comes looking looking for help or even wondering, even thinking like there's something like really different going on here. 
you know, because of, because of the energy, the energy is fear-based and fear-based energy controls the mind. So their mind, it can focus on anything else, but the twin flame, their twin flame and the twin flame journey and what's going on there. So they're out trying to focus on anything and everything else, but what's going on with the twin flame. Whereas the push twin flame can only focus <laughs> on the pull twin flame and what's going on between them. What's the purpose of a twin flame relationship? What, what's, what's the purpose of it? It's, it's a journey of self-love. So okay. Okay. Twin, yeah, the twin flame, the pull twin flame actually has a role to play where I say the push twin flame is the one who comes looking for the help. They do the energy work that we teach them how to do, which is um, actually neutralize the, the push-pull polarities. Um, but the pull twin flame has a role to play as well. They're, they're not consciously aware of it, but every time they do come back in, because once the push and pull is um, is neutralized, which is what we call it balance, but that's that's what we teach. Um, once that's once that's balanced, then the soul can bring its two physical bodies together again. So it brings the pull twin flame back in, and then at that point, though. The push twin flame then has more fear-based push energy rise up from within them. And this fear-based energy is the denied energetic shadow of ourselves that we would never see if it wasn't for our pull twin flame coming in and showing it to us, right? Because it only appears when the, when the pull twin flame comes back in. And so our job, which is the point of this journey, is to, see every, to love ourselves. It's a journey of self-love because the twin flame is ourself. It's our soul. And so um, in order to love yourself, you have to know yourself and you have to understand yourself and you have to accept yourself without judgment. And so this is a denied part of ourself that we would never see or know of ourselves. And so that's the point of the twin flame and the twin flame journey. The twin flame shows us this part of ourselves that's so deep that we would never have seen. And then we teach people how to love that part of ourselves. And when you love that part of yourself because it's fear-based energy, the fear becomes alchemized and transmuted into love energy. And that's how you love yourself. That's really deep, actually. That's really, um, I, I, I'm going to have to watch this uh, and, 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 and process it my, uh, and, and think about it a whole lot. So can a twin flame relationship between two very mature people have a positive connection or is it one where it's conflict or uh the opposites and or can it be a balancing in the relationship because can that be done so if 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 both twin flames are conscious enough to know you know hey something's going on and like come learn how to do it with each other they can yes we can work with two twin flames at once it's extreme, in my experience, it's extremely rare. Um, it's only happened with one twin flame couple that I'm aware of personally. And that wasn't even with me. That was my teacher was, was working with them okay. um, who worked with me and helped me. Um, but I've never personally in my work, um, no one's ever come to us in that yet state. Um, but again, though, they'll have to go through the push pull. I mean, it doesn't have to get where, you know, the pull pulls totally away, mm -hmm. you know, but it will have to be the push pull fear based energy going on and they will have to balance that energy because that is the whole point of the journey. Like I just said, you know, it's, it's like to see this energy that otherwise you wouldn't see of yourself. It's a part of yourself and to alchemize it into love. So they would still have to have to do the work. They would still have to balance that energy out. 
Um, now, if they can catch that and realize what's going on before it, you know, before it physically manifests in complete devastation <laughs> and, you know, complete, uh, you know, withdrawal of the, of the pull twin flame and, you know, then, then that's great. But most people are not, that's not the way it works, but it can Is, be, it can. How does somebody recognize they're in a twin flame relationship or they're on a twin flame journey? How, how, how would someone recognize that? Usually it's the push that recognizes it and um, they recognize it when the pull pulls away and they're on the floor and they don't have to be as on the floor as I was. I was an extreme. I was on the extreme end of anyone my teachers ever worked with and anyone I've yet to work with. Well, apparently um, if you're calling to do this work, you would have to go through the extreme. I think that's why. Yeah. Um, but however, you know, everyone's still some, in some sort of pain. And the obsessive thoughts are always there. So really what it is, is there's there's really three things, three key signs that um, we see with everyone that is across the board, what, how people, of people that are on the journey. One is that, um, you know, they, the pull twin flame pulls away and they are still obsessed with them. Like I said, it's, it's obsessive energy. They're like addicted to them. They just can't stop stalking them, you know, doing things they wouldn't normally right. do acting really crazy. And after, for a long period of long, you know, you, they can't move on. You can't move on. You can't get over your twin flame so it's yourself. Yeah. So it, you know, it's really, it just consumes, it's all consuming. So there's that. Then there's what's called core wound pain. And this, this is something, and it's either in your heart, your solar plexus, or your sacral chakra. And this would be the chakra where your push energy pushes out of your body. So it's one of usually one of those three chakras. And what is core wound pain? It, so it, it's not, I mean, it can be a pain. Mine was very painful. Mine was, again, at the highest hmm. end of the spectrum. But um, it can range anywhere from like, like a tightening or squeezing, clenching, twinging type feeling all the way to feeling like you've been you know, disemboweled through that chakra and your whole insides and soul has been ripped from your body. That's where I was. I felt like wow. it was a gaping hole. Wow. Yeah, but anywhere in between. It's, I mean, that could be a spectrum of, of the severity of, of the core wound pain, but there is always something. There is some kind of core wound pain going on in one of those chakras. And then thirdly is doubt, believe it or not, because remember, this is all about fear-based energy. You're mired in fear-based energy and fear is doubt. And so doubt um, that even when you're like, you know, seeing what could be, what could be going on and you're Googling and twin flames come up, it, it's just like this constant doubt. Like even when people sign up for a program and they see it working and they're feeling better and they're twin flames, they still have doubt. Like, is this really my twin flame coming back in? No, it's not, you know, they just, it's constant doubt. And I was the same way. And it's all the way until your fear-based energy regarding your twin flame and twin flame journey is is balanced. You're going to always have this little vestige of doubt. Even when your twin flame is right there by your side again, there's still going to be a little bit of doubt until you have it all balanced out. What's the difference between a twin flame journey type relationship and a mean, negative, acrimonious relationship? What is, is there, what's the difference? Yeah, that, that's one? a great question. Cause like, yeah, cause I've had, I, 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 I've had a few of those. In, 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 in my past. So um, why would that negative or hurtful relationship not be? Because you can only have one twin flame, correct? So if I had three um, really negative relationships, only one of them could have been a twin flame. Is that correct? 
well, oh yes, you only okay. yes, only one of them could have been a twin flame. Right. It doesn't so, mean they are. Just so the because, other two were practice for it, or were getting in shape. <laughs> well, <laughs> relationships. There's things you know, narcissists and stuff out there. Okay. This is a really good question. It's a very common question. So the difference is, I mean, you're right. A twin flame journey, a twin flame relationship once so once they're on the journey once soul recognition happens remember before if they're not on the journey you're just with your twin flame i mean you could live together for the rest of your lives i mean that's fine without any kind of push pull um but you know once the twin flame journey happens and you know the polarities start their manifestation of push pull and the pull twin flame pulls away and the push twin flame is you know devastated um it can look on the surface physically from the physical senses, it can look and appear like it's a, like a toxic relationship. It looks, it, in fact, it can very often resemble like a narcissist codependent type, type mm -hmm. of um, a dynamic. However, um, the difference is, is that is the intention. First of all, um, you know, I'm, I'm not an expert on, you know, narcissists mm -hmm. or anything like that, but from my understanding, you know, they are manipulative and they, you know, it's intentional. They're intentionally trying to uh, get something from their the other person, right? Like they're whatever it could be. Um, the pull twin flame, although it might look like, you know, oh, they left or they're coming back and leaving again and coming in and out. They're not doing it like with an intention to hurt anyone or get anything. In fact, when in the act of pulling away, the pull twin flame, because remember that controls, they can't even focus on on the push twin flame or anything that's going on. They don't want, they just, they just feel like they have to get away. They feel like they're being like controlled and smothered kind of. So like they can't breathe. So they just have, they just know they just have to get away. So the last thing they're trying to do is take something from the push twin flame or, you know, manipulate them to get something from them or want to come back around at that point. It, it, it's not like that. It, it's, it's not, it's not intentional like that. It's this energy is just doing everything and it's pulling them away. And all they know is they have to get away. They just feel this, they have to get away and they don't want anything to do with, with that situation at that moment. So it's, it's not, it's not, it's not, it's different in that way. In the soul, uh, the, the twin uh, flame relationship that you were uh, in um, and, and, and you talk about how devastating it was through that period to the point where, you, you know, you were considering, you know, completing your life. Um, what got you out of that? Like, like what, what, what pulled you back to off the edge of the ledge? What was my it? amazing teacher? She saved my life, Leora. Um, the whole reason why I even wrote my book, Twin Flames Exposed, and this whole hap this all happened, <laughs> and I became, uh, you know, coaching and helping other people with this because um, I was for six months I couldn't function. I had a consultant. And this was eight years ago. So even in spiritual circles, twin flames was not, you know, even a keyword or buzzword. I'd consulted many, like 13 different spiritual advisors, psychics, um, a voodoo mambo to cut the cord, all this other stuff just to, um, you know, try to move on, try to stop my pain. Nothing worked. No one could understand it. None of the, none of the spiritual, but they didn't know twin flames. No one mentioned twin flames to me until six months in. And the 13th, psychic I had consulted, I called a, a psychic call in line and she mentioned twin flames. So of course I Googled twin flames and up came two listings on Google. Now it's like, you know, pages and pages, yeah. two listings. The top one was, uh, this lady, she's in Australia, Leora. And I signed up right away on her website for some sessions. 
and she saved my life. Within two weeks, I was functional again. Within within 30 days, I was happy. Within three months, my twin flame was magnetized back in. And it was just, yeah. And I worked with her every day from then, even, even though I didn't need to regarding my twin flame, but just because twin flame journey is part of the whole ascension process. And Luara was very, um, very knowledgeable, I guess you would say, or very conscious and aware of, of the ascension process. And I just wanted to learn as much as I could from her. So, so and you, then- you, you, excuse, excuse me, you, you, you said that the ascension period that we, or, sorry, Meg, um, getting away from or breaking f- away from the uh, blue, uh, <laughs> uh, uh, twin flame, um, that your twin flame was magnetized back to you, is that? What, yeah, does that's that what, mean? What, what does that mean? Okay, so remember, we have the push-pull going on. Yeah. Um, when you learn how to sort of, okay, so imagine your soul is one energetic field, right? Right. And the push and the pull are two opposite polarized charges within that energetic field. Well, the definition of pull by, you know, the definition of polarity, you need two charges. You need two. So if you're, if you're working and you're the push twin flame, and this is what my teacher taught me to do, this is what we teach our students to do. You balance out, you neutralize that push within yourself. It automatically neutralizes the pull of the pull twin flame because you need two to be polarized. So there's all all of a sudden the energetic field is clear. There's no polarization going on that enables it's neutral. So that enables the soul to bring its two physical bodies back together. So um, that's when your, your soul magnetizes your twin flame back into your physical reality. So it can be a conscious choice by someone saying, okay, I'm going to, um, what, do, do you let go of the energy? Do you let go? Do you rise above it? What, 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 what happens inside when, when you're distancing yourself from that other soulmate, or sorry, so, um, twin flame? I'm just trying to get a, a sense of how, how do you look after yourself? Um, oh. How yeah. did you do it? You just said, I'm not going to do this anymore? Or... No, no, you, oh. you, you can't do that. <laughs> your soul's not going to let you do that. Okay. Your soul's ready. It's all up to your soul. Okay. So like I said, remember, you need to see this denied shadow energetic part of yourself, which is your fear-based energy. Okay. So we teach people how to identify it. And it can get sneaky. It's in sneaky yeah. ways. Yeah. And it controls our mind. And it's stuff we're not used to doing. You know, Not at all. We, li- we live mired in fear-based energy, which is fine. I mean, that's just where we are. This is as humans in, in 3D. That's what 3D is. Um, you know, so it's, yes, it's a rising up. It's part of the ascension process. Ascension means to rise up. Right. And when we reach ascension, we're going to have no fear-based energy with anything or anyone. Um, we're not there yet. Um, but, you know, the twin flame journey teaches you how to ha- not have it with yourself within yourself and therefore with your twin flame because you're the same soul. So every time we we balance, we call it balance or neutralize this fear-based push energy, it gets alchemized or transmuted into love energy. And every time it does, you shift a little bit closer into alignment with your with your soul, with your true soul vibration, which is your truth and everything you desire. And in so doing, you start to rise up out of the fear-based paradigm of the third dimension. But it's only part of the ascension process where you're not going to get all the way ascended um, just by the twin flame journey, because then after that, you need to, you know, alchemize your fear based energy regarding everything and everyone else and every occurrence and every situation. Everything is energy. Right. So that's how. So when you um, detach from or get away from the, the twin flame connection or ignore it evolve from it what 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 is what what is it that you're doing is is that what you're doing um 
detaching from it, pulling away from it. Is that what happens? No, so, so how, how do you stay away from your twin flame? Well, they're pulling away from you already. So they're away okay. from you. All right. You know? Right. Okay. And then, and then in order to do the work necessary, though, it is important to give yourself time and space. Right. Um, you know, the first thing we tell our students is, you know, you have, we have, they have to reset their intention. They can't be doing this to get that twin flame because that right. is the push fear based energy. Right. They have to be doing this for themselves to feel better, you know, whatever, give themselves some other thing for doing it for themselves, not focused on what the, the physical form of your twin flame is doing, saying, thinking, feeling that's all irrelevant. We have to switch their perspective from focusing on the physical world and what's going on physically right. that only our physical senses can see to approaching this journey from the level of the soul. It's, it's a shift. It's, it's a med, mega shift. It's what most people aren't used to doing. Um, you know, but it, it, it's the level it has to take place on. This is a journey of the soul. It's not a journey about, you know, it's not about getting some guy or some girl, you know, okay. yes, that can be a byproduct. Yes. It's usually the catalyst, but there's so much more to this than that. You know, if, it's a journey of your If you encounter your, the other side, your opposite, um, in the twin flame, what happens to you now when you, what, what do you go through or do you go through anything? Me personally? Yeah. Oh yeah, my twin flame is is in my life. Oh, okay. So balance. I mean, yeah, I, like I balanced it out regarding my twin flame and twin flame journey, my fear based energy. To the point now, remember, you're not you always have fear based energy until we reach ascension, and I'm not I'm not ascended yet. Right. But um, you know, so I you can balance pretty much mostly regarding your twin flame twin flame journey. But as long as there's still fear based energy, which you know I still have, everyone still has here on the planet at this point. Um, you know, there's still, uh, it's still there. So I like to say, uh, I tell my students, like, we can get it to the point where it's like in a coma in the corner, okay. but you know, that doesn't mean it's impossible that it could never wake up again. Right. So, you know, that's where I'm at. Um, but it's, you know, it's, and, but it's a different relating experience, you know, you like a, it seems like it's like an addiction on the spiritual level that you have to keep doing it until you learn it or rise above it. it that, that seems to be like it, doesn't it? Uh, well, well going, going, being, well, I mean, it's the soul's <laughs> journey. I mean, it's why we're here, right. you know, it's okay. why we're here in every lifetime is eventually to, for our soul to get advanced enough to reach ascension. Right. Like, okay. like probably the next lifetime, many of us will be reaching ascension. I was, I was thinking in terms of changing our behavior would be, much like um, getting past an addiction or an addictive behavior. It, yes, we, or not. It's not. We've had so many people that go through that we work with that have been able to kick addictions, overcome addictions, and and right. um, we've had people who have already done that and you know been in recovery, and they said they wish they knew this before they even went through recovery because they said this is just so much easier it okay. is because you're bouncing out your fear-based energy your fear-based energy is what's addictive fear is very addictive energy i mean and it's only here in the 3d but i mean you know everyone knows this politicians know it uh you know the media knows it newscasts know it i mean that's why people you know keep turning tuning into stuff it's very addictive energy it plays on people's fear anything that plays on people's fear is addictive even i, I hate i mean religion if i could say that is addictive oh yeah of course fear. and yeah if somebody were in a situation, how would um, somebody be able to identify, what, what would you say to someone um, right now that's in that situation, how they can identify it 
and what they what can they do about it? Okay, well, you'll be able to identify it um, the, in the them or the, the patterns they're in. Yeah. Uh, okay, so let's talk about patterns. Yes, that's a good one. So there's two common relating dynamics that happen once you're on the twin flame journey. One is the pull twin flame pulls away and ghosts done, cuts you off, blocks you, tells you never to contact them again, get out of their life, whatever, gone. The other dynamic is that the the pull twin flame does that for a minute. And they usually go to someone else into some other type of like third party relationship or back to a spouse or whatever. And then they can't come back. And then they go, they leave again and they come back and leave it. And so it's like this back and forth push pull relating dynamic, which is also very indicative, I admit, of a lot of toxic relationships. But, you know, remember, the twin flame isn't doing it uh, mm-hmm. perfectly. But the way people can um, can tell if they're on it, like I said, it's it's they just can't get over someone like and with the twin flame, though, it's 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 not just that either. It's like you feel it. You just feel it. It's different in your soul. You know something is different here. It's not just, you know, you, you know, you really liked someone and and you know, you wish you could get back together and you know, you try to do whatever you can to get back to. It's it's beyond that. You know something's different. And again, you have core wound pain. There's some Oh, we froze. Great. Yeah. And again, it can range in, in severity or painfulness, but you know, it starts with, it can be like anywhere from like clenching or um, a gripping all the way to, you know, complete disembowelment and anywhere in between. Okay. Um, are, are, you're, you're, you're frozen on this, the screen right now, um, but I can hear you. Um, what would you advise someone who had these realizations? Like, so, um, where would where do they look or where do they go to find out um how do they find you oh well they can come uh visit our website it's be with your twin flame.com we are also on instagram at be with your twin flame yes. and also on youtube be with your twin flame youtube channel or they can read my book my i have i have a few books but um twin flames exposed it's on amazon and um it's it's very um you know, it, it very much explains. It's it's short, it's sweet, it's to the point. It's not written any kind of like hard to understand anything. I, I, I spell it out very simply. Um, it, it and it's it's very short. <laughs> so they can they can, if they'd like to learn more just generally about Twin Flames and what's going on, and if they could be on the journey, um, they can find it on Amazon. Twin Flames Exposed. I could talk with you and listen to you for hours upon hours upon hours. Um, Thank you. <laughs> I'm I'm really impressed, amazed, blown away by your knowledge, your 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 presentation. I really am grateful that you shared this. Um, we only covered the surface. Perhaps sometime in the future, you can come back and share more. Um, and and thank you for um, appearing, appearing with, with today. me today. Sure. Thank you so I'm, much for having me. I would love that. I would love to come back. Thank you. Thank you. Well, that just brings us to the end of uh, tonight's show. It was so fascinating hearing what both of my guests uh, had to say. I'd like to thank uh, Ellie Roselle, um, core belief engineer, coach, teacher, uh, and, and, and therapist. For Thank you for being in the expert's chair tonight, Ellie. And I would also like to thank 
um, for my guests who, in the main event, um, Al-Hari, Twin Flame Ascension Alchemist, teacher and coach. This was one of the most fascinating uh, conversations I've ever had in my life. The knowledge and the information that, that Al-Hari shared with me um, opened my mind to a degree I had never experienced before. Um, fabulous conversation. Thank you so much, Ahari. Uh, just before we say goodbye, I'd like to uh, make a request. If you're watching us on YouTube, please like and comment. Oh, please comment. If you do, it'll help us get a higher rating so then we can do more shows. And, um, and if you, you know, and subscribe to our channel. And as you know, subscriptions are complimentary. Uh, you can find us on Apple, Spotify, and anywhere else where you'd be hearing your podcasts. If you would like to get in touch with me, because I'm still doing readings, I'm still doing life coaching and lots of other stuff. If you'd like to find me, you can see me on Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, and YouTube. And you can also find me on my website, www.robertlindsaymilne.com. Well, everybody, thanks a lot. Just before I say goodbye, though, remember, be good, be safe, and above all, just be kind. Good night.